0: the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast, where we discuss God, the Bible, and God's purpose for your life. Be inspired and encouraged to engage in transforming the world around you. You know, I told my wife I thought it was kind of weird. Uh... That, that I would be asked to, to do something like this, especially after, you know, sitting in on a on a couple and uh, going after guys who, uh, you know, are like authors and world travelers and, you know, guys who've been in ministry longer than than I've even been alive. And then there's me and I'm just this guy from a, a little church in a small town in, in Colorado. And so I'm like, what is it that's you know special about me? Then I thought, you know, I guess something that makes me sort of unique is that um, I've been in the same place for 30 years. I'm 40 years old, but I've been here at this church, not not as the pastor, but I've been here for 30 years. So I'm homegrown, man. And so I thought maybe this was going to give me some kind of, you know, unique perspective and and maybe it was going to give me an idea of something to, to talk about this morning. And it did not, <laughs> but it did get me thinking about something else that did. It used to be when I when I would think about how long I've been at this church, I would think, you know, I wonder if someday maybe I'm gonna retire from Journey Church. But over the last few weeks and months, and maybe even the last year, uh My my curiosity has kind of changed to something else. You know, instead of wondering if I'm going to retire from Journey Church someday, I've started to wonder if Journey Church is even going to exist when I'm old enough to retire. I live in the United States of America, and and I have begun to wonder if it's even going to be legal for churches to gather the same way that we do now. And I believe that, that God is on a... Moving in the world, he's doing big things around the world, but I'm also not blind, and I'm also not stupid, and I can see that the world is going in a dark direction. And you guys have seen it too. Some of you've seen it far more than I have, and it and it makes me think of uh, some words that Paul says to Timothy in Second Timothy. This is what he says, and it, and it seems like it's important because of the way he he starts us off in Second Timothy three. He says, "But mark." this. So in other words, pay attention to this, write it down, remember this, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Mark this, remember this. And then he goes on to describe what it's going to look like. So I want you guys to listen to the description and see if this sounds familiar to anybody at all. It says, in the last days, in these terrible days, this is what it will look like. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. and Disobedient to their parents. I have five kids. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of the good. That always Sticks out to me, like, isn't it weird how people can hate what is good, literally hate what is good. It's so weird. They're going to be treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with these with such people. This is the description. That Paul gives of what people are going to be like in the last days. And he didn't even live in 2020 and 2021. This world that you guys live in, that I live in, needs the church, man. These are dark times. And so, wherever you're at, I'm telling you, sometimes we forget this, even as ministers and pastors, the world needs you. Over the last year, just in the United States, you know we've seen a pandemic we've seen political unrest freedom of speech is literally being taken away and that's just here some of you have seen even worse and since this uh began i've i've heard pastors start saying things like you know it's time for the church to change its focus or or you know people are are being isolated all this kind of stuff that the church needs to change its focus and and, I, and I'm telling you right now, if a pastor ever says that the church needs to change its focus, you should probably stop listening to that guy. Because the focus of the church never has and never is going to change. No matter what's going on in the world around us, the focus of the church has never changed and it's never going to. The focus of the church has been assigned to the church. And you guys already know what it is. It's in Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the marching orders of the church. Individual churches focus may be something different, but it shouldn't be. God's church is about making Disciples. I mean, it's so important that God's church gets to work before individual churches may no longer exist. I said to my church a, a couple of weeks ago that um, Christians have kind of placed the responsibility of making disciples on pastors and on church leadership. And that's a big problem, but. The bigger problem is that pastors and church leadership has kind of accepted this responsibility with very little pushback. Because some of you know, as well as I do, that it's actually much easier to just kind of plan things that might attract people to a building than it is to convince the people in your church that it's their responsibility to make disciples. And and this is a really bad idea, especially if individual churches are unable to meet someday. How's the gospel going to spread then? When I was young, I I used to be super into wilderness survival. Like I was obsessed with wilderness survival. I read books on it, all this kind of stuff. And there was this phrase um, that I kind of always remembered, and it was fail to prepare and you're preparing to fail. And over the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about this, God has kind of changed these words in my head. And he's he said to me, I have it written on a board behind me. Fail to train the people. And you're training the people to fail. That's a that's a scary thing. That's a that's a huge responsibility. Fail to train the people. And you're training the people to fail. I have to be a disciple maker, and I have to train people to be disciple makers, then I want to know what a good disciple maker looks like. And so I'm going to show you where I got this before uh, you think I'm crazy when I say what I'm going to (laughs) say. So we're going to go back to Matthew 28, and I want to read you a little bit more of what it says. So pay really close attention to this, because I'm tricky. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to say, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded them. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. If you weren't reading, Along with me, you might have missed something because I'm one of those pastors and and I, I changed the words. It doesn't actually say teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded them. What it actually says is teaching them to observe or to see or to witness all of the things that I have commanded you. I thought that was really interesting. This really stuck out to me. It's almost as if he's expecting you to spend time with people. Make sense? I don't even know why I looked this up, but like a good pastor, I I Googled this and I looked up what is the meaning of this word observe? What's the definition of observe? The first definition that came up, I think is going to really blow you away. It blew me away. The very first definition that I found on Google of the word observe is this. It's a verb that means to notice or perceive something and register it as significant. When I I saw this man, it it kind of blew my mind. So this means if I read this verse a little bit differently, it could very, very easily be read like this. Teaching them to perceive something that I commanded in you and registering it as being significant. It sounds like a lot of words to say, teach them by your example, pressure. Show them that it means something to you. That it registers a significance to them. So this is where sometimes I get accused of being a little bit crazy. If that's the case, then uh, Billy will contact all of you and, and put out fires, okay? What if Jesus didn't just mean go and make disciples of him? Obviously, before I go any further, obviously, this is about making disciples of Jesus for sure. But maybe it's also about Godly people making disciples of themselves. I just heard uh, Billy mention somebody awesome that I've never met named Reverend Emmanuel. And I know he's awesome because he said he's a good father to a lot of churches. Leading by example. What if Jesus is saying, Billy, make disciples of Billy. I'm going to show you why I'm saying this. To explore the idea a little bit more. Let's look at the best disciple maker of all time, Paul. Everybody knows. Paul says some of what I think are like the most intimidating words in the entire Bible. And, and it just kind of goes with my point. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. 1. You know what he says. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. Why, why would he say that, man? I mean, that, that is a ton of pressure. Why didn't Paul say imitate Christ? I mean, isn't that what we say sometimes, you know, from the pulpit, even do as Jesus does imitate Jesus. The problem is that some of those people that we're saying that to might not know Jesus very well yet. I think he says this because he knows the people that he's writing to don't really know Jesus yet. They didn't get to meet him. They didn't get to walk with him. They only know about him. But who does know Jesus? Who does know what Jesus is like? Paul does. So he takes on this huge responsibility. Of being an example of what Jesus is like. That's huge, man. It's like he's saying, you be a disciple of me. And because I am a disciple of Jesus. You're also going to be a disciple of his too. And eventually. As you observe me and you do as I do. and, And these things begin to register as significant to you. You'll be able to follow Jesus on your own because you've gotten to know him, partly because of my example of what he's like. And then you'll be a disciple maker, too. This is how Paul does things, man. Paul is relational. You know, we get the wrong idea sometimes of what a disciple is. A disciple is just somebody who follows somebody else. You know, to say that uh, I'm going to make a disciple of me, it doesn't mean Disciples are going to worship me. They're just going to follow me and do as I do. We just happen to worship the guy that we follow. Make sense? But this is how Paul does things, man. He's a relational guy. He, he hardly ever did anything alone. He always had somebody with him that he was pouring into. You know, he had Timothy, he had Titus, he had Silas. Always had somebody with him. Even when he was in prison, he was writing letters and pouring into people. You know, he called people his children. Paul's approach to making disciples wasn't leading people in a prayer. You know, the Bible never mentions, go into all the world and make believers. Get them to say the prayer. Count how many people that said the prayer in your church. It never says anything like that. It says, go and make disciples. People who are following and learning and becoming more like Jesus. Partly from your example. Paul's approach to discipling is and being a disciple maker is sharing life with people sharing life with people in first Thessalonians 2 8 you know the the church in Thessalonica seems like Paul's favorite church to me but I think it gives a really great idea of like what goes on in Paul's mind and what makes Paul so effective as a disciple maker and and, and as a minister. And this is what it says. He says, so affectionately loving you, that we were pleased to impart to you, not only the gospel of God, but also uh, a a new believer's guide or or a a Sunday school class. No, that's not what it is. So affectionately loving you, longing for you, that we were pleased or we were, Delighted to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because we had become, because you had become dear to us. Paul says, You know, I love you guys so much. I don't want to just share the gospel with you, I want to share life with you. And so some of you guys are so great at this. There, there are ministers who are great at this, who, who love their community. But I, I, that's what I want to encourage you with. Fall in love with your community, man. Fall in love with your community. Share life with people. This is what Paul's ministry style was like. He, he walked with people. He led people by example this is a this is a uh, a big charge, man, but I think this is the charge that Jesus left us with is to be worthy of having disciples. This is kind of the cliche question, but it makes so much sense. I ask my churches all the time if somebody was to imitate you, in other words, do exactly as you do, follow you around and and, and do an impression of villy or Reverend Emmanuel, if they were to do that, would they look like Jesus? Th- this is this is a, a scary question. If somebody was to imitate Dusty, would people go, man, that guy looks like Jesus? That's a that's a tough question. And this is the kind of people that, that we need to be. This is the kind of people that we need to be training people to be. You know, that the church, a lot of times, man, we're we're missing the mark because we are, we are obsessed with making believers when really that's not even our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job, man. We, we get to be part of it sometimes. Our job is help people grow to be more like Jesus. And a big part of it is leading by example. I want to go back to second Timothy where, where Paul is talking to Timothy and he, and he uh, makes a point to tell Timothy how important this is. Mark this. Listen to this. Write it down. Remember it. If you skip ahead down to, to uh, verse 14, 2 Timothy 3.14, this is what he says to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. And then this is the part that just really gets me. It, it tells why. Why have you become convinced of this? This is, this is what it says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. That's huge. Timothy was convinced of the things he learned because he knew Paul. He observed things in Paul that registered... As being significant to Paul. He he saw Jesus moving in Paul's life. It became significant to him. And so Timothy was convinced of the things he learned from Paul. But it was because he knew Paul. Not just because he heard Paul say the things. Because Paul was, was delighted to not only share the gospel. But to share life with people to share life with Timothy. That's what made him so effective. And so I think this is something that that we miss sometimes because you know a, a lot of us as pastors and ministers we we take we kind of use what we do in church and on Sundays is as kind of like we're you know we're doing what we're supposed to do and I think sometimes we're missing out. And I think uh, <laughs> preaching on a Sunday is not an acceptable replacement for discipling people and making disciples and leading by example and sharing life with people. I mean, it it, it sounds sort of weird, but sometimes I think that there are lots of people in this world that would have made amazing disciple makers, amazing disciple makers, but instead they became pastors and ministers and so so they kind of like use sunday morning as as you know meeting their quota when when that was never the church's responsibility i mean the church's responsibility is make disciples prepare other people to make disciples when i was a youth pastor before i was a lead pastor and The thing that I taught my students is the thing that I'm going to start teaching my church because it's so, so simple. What is our job? I think that our job is simple. Not always easy, but simple. Our job is to learn the word of God, apply the word of God to our lives, and then preach the word of God to other people. And then when they see it applied to our lives, maybe it'll register as significant to them. And they'll be convinced of it because they know you. So I I simplified it for them. We called it LAP. L-A-P. Learn the word of God. Apply the word of God. Preach the word of God. And in applying the word of God, it means we're. Leading by example. We're beginning to look more like Jesus. And when that happens, people will see that in us. And when they continue to see that in us, it will register as being significant to us. And then maybe register as being significant to them. And they'll want to know more about Jesus. And then guess what? They get to follow you. And you, in a way get to make them a disciple of you. And you get to say, follow me. As I follow Jesus, you act like me and you'll start to look like Jesus. And then when you get to know Jesus real well, then you get to follow him all on your own and you get to make disciples yourself. I just want to challenge you guys all, all, all around the world, man don't accept the responsibility of making disciples as being your job your job is train other people to make disciples and you make disciples too but train other people convince other people it's their job to make disciples because individual churches as we know it there's a chance that those aren't going to be a thing in the future and if that happens it's not going to be nearly as big a deal if we've already trained a whole bunch of people that go out there and evangelize the lost and disciple people to be like Jesus, because that's how the church keeps going, not by having a meeting place on a Sunday morning. Thank you for joining Joshua Nations on this episode of the Inheritance Podcast. For more information about the ministry of Joshua Nations, please go to www.joshuanations.org. To join our prayer movement, please go to prayer.joshuanations.org. We hope you will join us for the next episode of the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. May God bless you.